500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die g'day this is x-band the fancy podcast our website is chronicalchamber.com and you can subscribe to our podcast via youtube or through your favorite podcast apps do not forget to give us a rating on your podcast app and tell a mate about us now in episode 201 we spoke with Andreas Erikson, who gave us an insight on what was to happen in the year 2022 with Phantom Man. Now, he also gave us a huge hint about the Heart of Darkness book, which was very well received by a lot of the fans. Now, they were, especially the Phantom Man readers, were, enjoyed the podcast a lot. So this year, uh, we decided we're going to do it again with Andreas, but we're not just going to have Andreas, we're going to also have uh, Jacob as well. Now, some may wonder who is Jacob, and if that is you and you're not sure who that is, that will be answered soon. However, let's introduce the regulars, and it is just me from Australia, because this is going to be a, a majorly a more of a Swedish focus, so we've flicked Dan and Steve and we've replaced him with Mikkel, who is also our Phantom Men correspondent, who reviews all our Phantom Men comics and uh, reports on all the news from out of uh, Scandinavia. So Mikkel has the daunting task to help me ask all the hard questions. So g'day, Mikkel. How are you? Good day. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm fine. Looking forward to getting all the nasty details of Phantom Men 2023. Well, hopefully it's not nasty, but it's good details. <laughs> well, the greedy ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hopefully I look forward to having a, a bombshell announcement like Andreas was able to give us last year. So the pressure is on both of them. Uh, should we should we make him give us one each, or do you reckon one will be enough, Mikkel? Yeah, one each, of course. One each? Okay, we'll see what <laughs> we can do. All right, so um, uh, Jacob, so I'll introduce you first. Now, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Here. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on a podcast, uh, so I'm a bit nervous, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this podcast, we we like to make it kind of casual, and so it's just like sitting around a bar with some mates talking phantom. So hopefully, um, I know it's in the middle of the day, and it's not quite five o'clock for you guys over there yet, um, but I appreciate you joining us now. Uh, quickly, I was just um, wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your age, your history with the comics and the Phantom, and then just tell us a little bit uh, what your actual role is. Yeah. Uh, so my name is uh, Jacob Habins. I'm uh, 28, turning 29 this year. Uh, and uh, my role uh, at Egmont is that I am the... Um, <clears throat> Uh, um, project leader slash editor in chief for uh, Phantomen and several other uh, magazines as well. But Phantomen is like one of the main ones uh, that I work with like most frequently. Uh, and uh, I guess a, a good way to, to describe it is because, uh, you know, Mikosul, who had my role before 
he had a bit more uh, agency when it came to the Phantom. Uh, I think he worked with a little less amount of uh, other magazines as well. But uh, when um, he quit uh, and uh, and Andreas came in uh, together with me, Andreas was already working with the uh, Phantom as well, but uh, he got more uh, responsibility. So it's kind of split between the two of us. Um, And I usually say that if Andreas is the one who like holds the wheel of the Phantom and car and like goes forward, I'm the one who hits the brakes. And sometimes I pull and swerve to like try to steer the the project going. But uh, I, I feel like me and Andreas like uh, control it and uh, control the way uh, together, like simultaneously. Um, and my relationship with the Phantom is not that deep as uh, our readers or this podcast. Uh, I didn't really read much of the Phantom as a child. Like if you're Swedish, you know about Phantomen. Like, mm. People think he is a Swedish uh, hero, so I was always always aware, but I never really knew the like the whole story. I knew that my dad uh, he read the Fantoman uh, when he was uh, a kid, so I think he was more excited than me when I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is awesome. But but since then, because I mean, I've been at the I first covered for uh, Mikkel in 2019, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because he he was on sick leave, so I came in for half a year uh, together with Andreas, uh, and I worked uh, for, yeah for half a year before um, he got back. And when he ultimately quit, uh, I came in and uh, took over. So now I've been working with it for two years almost, maybe even three if you count the the first months. Uh, and since then, I've like really gro- uh, grown to to like uh, the Phantom, like the whole world. Uh, the whole uh, concept behind the like generations and stuff. It was m- much richer than I expected because I always just su- uh, saw him as the blue guy in the jungle. <laughs> I didn't know more more than that. I just knew that he was some kind of hero in the jungle. Uh, so uh, it's been a, a, a wild ride to like get to know this world and uh, as, as uh, you hinted before we started recording, also delve down and like write some stories as well which i really really enjoyed awesome so uh, we won't get into too much detail because i would love to have you on another podcast and delve more into you know your world jacob's world um Mm -hmm. but uh i can't remember so so you've also written some stories is that very similar as like what mikhail was doing before is to kind of keep the budget down? Uh, well, m- more or less. Uh, also because I am a, I mean, I- I'm a comic book artist from the beginning. Um, okay. That's how I, I got, got the job when they were looking for a, uh, a guy to fill in the spot. They contacted my school, which was a comic book school, um, where they like headhunted me. Um, so I was, I've always been writing stories and stuff. So when I got the opportunity, I think first uh, Michael um, asked if I wanted to write some stories. And then he gave me that whole spiel about 
It's like, yeah, you can do that to keep the budget down. And uh, <laughs> I really enjoy that. I think it's a win-win for me, you know, like I get to express myself creatively and uh, I'm, I get to deliver more stories uh, to the readers. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know that you're an artist. Um, so have you, have you thought about drawing the Phantom or... That... I mean, I've thought about it, but I'm I'm not that kind of uh, artist. Uh, in in Sweden, we have a strong tradition of uh, comic book artists not knowing how to write good, like or or, or uh, draw good. Like the the drawings are pretty uh, crappy, but the story is amazing. You know, like very hard, yeah. uh, like uh, how do you say it? Like autobiographical and heart wrenching stories. So I'm more, more from that kind of like uh, alternative scene. So I can't like I I will never be able to uh, <laughs> to to draw it, but writing I can do. Cool. So I, I believe I don't believe any of your stories have been published in the free comic yet. Is that correct? Uh, I don't think so. I know that one of the comics have been sent over to Fru. Okay, uh, but I. I have no idea which number it's planned for, if it's this year or the next year. I've only done one full-length one and then two shorter ones, which I don't think they're that interested in. Okay, all right. Well, when that gets published in by Fru, I think um, we'll definitely have to come you on and discuss more about your world. So um, so I appreciate your time. Uh, Mikhail, have you got any um, questions you want to ask Jacob? before we uh, talk to Andreas? Not at this time. Thank you. No. So Andreas has been on the podcast a few times. Now, for those who have come in late, myself and Andreas, we've known each other for, I reckon it's a good 20-odd years. Yeah. Um, right. I think our first interaction was actually a bit of a um, an Ivan-style uh, forum war. Um, and then we and then we got told off by Garan, and then we've become friends ever since. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, and I think I actually th I've been thinking about this. I actually think it was about the old forkism versus uh, modernism. <laughs> I think it yeah. might have been about that. <laughs> Do you remember that, Andreas? No, that's something that I have. Uh put away uh, <laughs> don't look back at <laughs> uh, those were some intense days uh, in the old phantom forum uh, which had good and bad sides mm. I think that uh, well I can about myself a little bit I'm a fan originally I started reading the phantom when I was very young the phantom wasn't my first big comic book favorite but uh, the one that lasted outlasted the others and but like for everyone else other interests come up over time and you sort of uh, don't have the time for everything and it's quite usual for readers and fans to drop off like in their late teens or something but one thing that kept me going was that that was when i came when, well when the internet came and you mm. sort of saw i i got in touch with uh, other collectors online and the phantom forum and the, the debates that were going on there and you sort of realize that i'm not the only one who is very dedicated and have strong opinions on this uh and uh of course that's also how i came in contact with mikael uh the scandinavian chapter started around the year 2000 uh, i actually 
before the internet days, I was very early with um, uh, trading comics with foreign collectors. So that's also something that kept my interest going, that even though I was uh, like uh, 17, 18, 19 years old, I would receive a package from America when Moonstone started or when mm. something else came before that. And I would get the package from Australia to see what Fru was doing. And I always thought it was kind of funny when Fru was publishing the Team Fantoma stories. I mean, it was cool to see uh, mainly Swedish creators or stories created in Sweden being reprinted in another country in another language so that was like my focus as a collector to find foreign editions so I, I kept my interest going uh, partially thanks to the internet connections but then as you as you imply Jermaine sometimes it can be a bit fanboyish you sort of get <laughs> locked down in some discussions that aren't really uh, doing very much uh, positive and basically it's uh, uh, it's sometimes good to take a step back and um, this Mikael and Jacob have that in common they were not huge fans of the Phantom uh, and I think that has been kind of a benefit when you're in that position because if you uh, are too big of a fan you can't see it as a job and you can't shut down when you leave the office and go home hmm. uh, and I think that's you. it's good to have that distance when you are in the decision making position because you may have to do some uh, decisions that are tough if yes. you're a fan it's, it's tough to uh, make some of the decisions that you can't really uh, control yourself there are outside factors that are determining what you have to do and if you're going to be a good decision maker you can't be too emotionally involved so uh, Jacob is handling all the important decisions and I'm the uh, emotional fanboy who is crying <laughs> <laughs> and he just ignores me if he if he has to. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. That was probably going to be the first. <laughs> Obviously, you know, uh, you've got both of you. You're both writers. You're both on the editorial team and the project team and stuff like that as well. Um, now, Andreas, we've talked a little bit about you as a writer before um i would love to, you know and and as well as jacob i would love to be able to have dedicated podcasts about your actual you know you, your personal world worlds rather than your day job world which is what we're talking about now so mm -hmm. we might park some of those questions unless Mikel, do you have another question to andreas or yeah i just got so curious about this uh, this fanboy uh, editor yeah. thing did you you have talked a lot lot more with Ulf than I have done. Do you think mm. Ulf was a fanboy when he started as an editor for Phantom? Uh, well, not uh, not at the same level as you and me or Jermaine either. I uh, oh. I think that he also had uh, well he has, he has written about that in some um, editorial pieces that he was the Phantom. He was aware of it. He had read it. It was not his favorite when he was offered to work on the phantom he took a look at it and you know what can i do uh with this and he got some ideas and it took off from there uh but no i don't think that he was uh, a fanboy as as we have been and uh, again that made it possible for him to think outside the box and try new things because mm. i also think that a lot of fans you sort of 
get stuck in what you like, regardless if, if you're a, a Lee Fork fan or a Team Phantom fan or a Fru fan, you know what you like. And if you are put in the position to make decisions, you're going to make the decisions that repeat what you have already liked yeah. instead of trying yeah. new things and finding new fans, uh, which is vital for any publication in any time, but especially for the Phantom in this time. And I would, that's a very, very good point. I would say, um, Elf and also Jim were able to do that really, really good for both Phantom Men, but also for Fru as well, where they were able to create those new fans, which that, you know, Mikel, we will have to ask, we'll have to put that down, ask them how they can make some new fans. Um, uh, that's a good question, which we'll, uh, come back to, but, um, I think that's where they were. Because I don't think both of them were fans, like they knew of it, but I think they became attached to the Phantom. But I don't, I don't reckon they were fanboys like us. Mm. Mm. Good question. Like, uh, inevitable, right? Uh, yeah. To become a fan when you work uh, that much with it, because I mean, I'm already attached to the world, not to the same extent, of course, but you know, still just by working and like having it in the back of your mind, it uh, it grows on you. So. Yeah. yeah. So another question, like, do you use, do you use, like, I sort of know the answer for, for Andreas because I think I've talked to him about this, but as writers and, you know, in your role, do you use kind of like see a story on TV or in the newspaper or on the internet and go, oh, I could maybe make this into a phantom story or, or something like that? Do you, use, do you use do that? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like the, first story that I wrote, the longer one, um, that uh, both uh, Mikkel and Andreas had read, um, I think I even wrote it to Andreas when I first pitched it or showed it to him, that I, I don't remember if it was like on Instagram or some other social media, where I saw some um, short video about uh, interesting places or interesting facts, and uh, I got taught uh, a thing about this a natural phenom phenomenon called a, um, a, I think it was liminal eruption or something. Uh, I'm not going to go into and explain what that is, but it was like a very interesting uh, natural catastrophe that I've never heard about. And then I started to get ideas and that became what the story was about. And I have another one that I've um, read or that I'm writing now that might come out this year or next year. Um, where I also like read a book about philosophy or something. And it was like just a concept that was so interesting that I couldn't stop thinking about. And I had to like get it out of my system uh, <laughs> into the pages, you know? So definitely. Awesome. Yeah, and the same for me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, Andrea, but, sorry. Yeah. Same for me, but uh, it doesn't have to be like the whole, the focus of the whole story. I mean, Sometimes uh, you see something on TV or the news and it just becomes a little ingredient in a bigger story or mm. the missing piece of the puzzle. Like sometimes I've had the idea for a story apart from what the villain is motivated by. So I, I know what's going to happen in the story, but I don't know what the villain is going to do. And then there's a new story about uh, here you have uh, robbers, bank robbers, and they're using this method. Ah my villain is going to be a bank robber and they're going to do it like that new story. But I already had the rest of the story planned out. Interesting. 
Interesting. I'm sure there's plenty of other questions we will ask at a later date. But, uh, listeners, as as we talked about before, these this podcast is specifically going to be about Phantom 2023 and beyond. So, um, now, you've kind of touched upon it already. Um, could you go into a little bit more detail about your different roles of the Phantom magazine, like where your strengths are and how they uh, interrelate with each other as well? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, as uh, Andreas mentioned, uh, I do the hard decisions. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you do the hard and, work. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, that's definitely Andreas. I don't do the hard work. I just do the, the, the shitty decisions and, and, and take the blame. No, but um, <laughs> I, I think I, I think it's like a... a worldly phenomenon right now that like you know there's inflation everywhere uh everything goes up in price and that affects the comic book market significantly and the paper press is dying worldwide and that's something we have to like have in mind when we're doing this magazine and that's where like the hard choices be uh, come up for me because i i work with the budget as well so yeah. me and andreas every beginning of not even the beginning of the year like maybe in october or september we start talking about the next year and we make up a plan of like what can we reprint what fruit stories do we want to do uh, how many newly produced stories uh, are we going to do and um i'd say it would be andrea's role to like come up with the ideal lineup for the stories and then i do some math and uh, take half of them and say, we'll put that in a later year. Uh, or we'll <laughs> never do this. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so it works like within the budget. And um, yeah, for this year specifically, we've had to like uh, put our, our, our brains together and like really think of how can we like, because we want to maximize every year. We had that as a goal last year that we wanted to have a new story technically in every issue of Phantomen. Uh, and we want to we always want to try to do something like that so it keeps fresh and interesting and so it feels like the people who are working on the magazine really do care because the last thing we want to do is just do uh reprint after reprint and like you know turn the the magazine into a zombie magazine where nothing new happens um if you catch my drift yeah so you may mention last year there was a, a a new story, and I'm assuming a new story includes like a free story, so a new story for yeah. Phantom End readers. Yeah. Is yeah. that going and to be the case? Is, uh... Sorry, is that going to be the case for 2023 as well? Uh, no, I don't think that's. I don't think we've established that kind of rule for ourselves. Uh, this year, we're focusing uh, a lot on uh, what do you call them in English like other stories but the phantom because uh i don't know how it's uh, how it's in the fru uh phantom, oh you're talking about the backup cool. stories like yeah, yeah um, exactly Cara, was it carla kemp and yeah exactly yeah. Champ, uh, uh, you know a lot of yeah. uh french uh, uh comics because we have a great relationship with those uh publishing houses and it's been a staple of phantomen for years yeah. uh and i feel like the first year i was working with the phantom I maybe put that on the back burner because I wasn't too comfortable yet with like making those decisions and contacting other publishing houses. 
but uh, now that I'm a bit more uh, sure of myself in the role, we've uh, we've taken a lot of new and old uh, classic uh, uh, comics from uh, France. Um, so it might be a bit more of that than usual. But other than that, we've been focusing a lot of uh, a lot on Fru as well. I'd say because. Um, I think the Fru stories have become better and better uh, just between the years when I started and right now. Um, and they produce so much as well uh, <laughs> compared to like what we can do uh, on our budget. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're taking a lot from them and, and they're taking uh, stuff from us. Uh, so that's basically how it's been. I'm not sure if you're allowed to answer this, but do you kind of do like a story for a story to kind of keep the budgets and, and stuff down or like what's the, as much as you're allowed uh, not, to tell uh, me what's not the arrangement? Explicitly. Not explicitly. It's not like we, we say we, I'll trade you this for that, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we have discussions that fix that stuff. <laughs> no comment. That's what you said. our first no comment. <laughs> you should have a, a counter in the corner, like no comment yeah, counter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon, but, well, hopefully we get more, we get less no comments than uh, from Jacob than what we did from you last year, Andreas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but regarding uh, the the budget i mean the 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 dying of the printed press that's that's hard to go around and but i remember reading that uh, like during the pandemic the sales of phantom and went up or at least stayed the same is that the still going on or has that changed now after everyone's um, out that has changed um i mean because there was like an unprecedented situation where people had to be indoors and, you know, picked up different hobbies and uh, reading comics is a pretty good hobby to do when you can't move. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the war in Ukraine and um, electricity also uh, skyrocketed. I think, I mean, it's even though it feels like the pandemic is still ongoing, there's just this year and last year, there's been so many different geopolitical things that affect the market uh, in, in like more ways than you maybe first first realized you know so uh yeah e even though i think maybe there are still people who like started subscribing during the pandemic that are still su subscribing i think just in general it's going downward there might be spikes but it's slowly slowly going down yeah because it feels like all of these are out of your hands and yeah, it, i mean course. it must be really yeah yeah of course so it must be really hard to counteract uh, that like sales going down because of mm -hmm. this and the costs going up so yeah yeah uh, especially yeah. especially since like um comic like magazines the collectors they want everything but if you're not a collector putting some extra money on a magazine can feel quite useless uh, so we had to like somehow uh, find the readers or or try to like profit from uh, in other ways. And in that way, the for example, the Heart of Darkness book was a good example of that because we know that collectors and people who value art, uh, like comic book art, more in general, even if you're not a Phantom fan, 
to have that kind of brick in your library really um you know it, it's something else uh, it, it feels more valuable than a magazine to some extent so we tried to like get into that market of deluxe versions uh because that's a trend we've seen in every uh, publishing house both uh in comics uh, and in like art book books in general yeah there it is <laughs> so um if you're on youtube you'll be able to sorry i've just been trying to rummage through my room you'll be able to find it here now you called it a brick now this is an amazing book um what's actually interesting is last year we saw this but we also saw the mitten um john was it john john van mitten book or, or something yeah, like mitten, yeah um so that's and, and i've i've called on the on the podcast that this would be probably a top five maybe a top 10 best phantom published book ever so how what are you going to do for 2023 how are you going to top this <laughs> well um i can say that i mean we printed a thousand copies of this book uh as do you know which number you have there does it say Oof. um I don't know, Mikkel got uh, 223. Yeah, oh, that's a good number. That's a good number. <laughs> but uh, we, we pressed, uh, we, we published uh, a thousand copies of that and uh, we've made our money back. Um, it's almost sold out. Oh, it's wow. telling the people who are listening and you don't have it. It's almost sold out. And that's amazing uh, considering it was pretty expensive to produce and pretty expensive to sell. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, from a market point of view, if something sells, why don't, why wouldn't you do it again, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like what I'm hearing. Yes, I do <laughs> yeah. as well. So can, well, we're talking about it. We might as well talk about the elephant or the big book in the room. Um, mm. So, with, and I know you probably can't say everything, but can you tell us anything about what what you're going to be doing for 2023? Yeah, I can re reveal some stuff. Uh, just like the Heart of Darkness, it's going to be um, a story that's connected, written by the same person and drawn by the same person. And uh, I guess that narrows it down, but I, I'm not going to tell anything more. And it's a Team Phantom, of course. Uh, it's not uh, based on anything else. And I will so, say no comments you, you start saying different names. <laughs> so you said it written by the same person and drawn by the same person. Well, two different persons. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but all, all of the stories in the book, that is. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, I, don't, I think I'm missing. So say that again. The same person has written all the stories and the same person has drawn all the stories. And it's a Team Phantom uh, thing. Uh, okay, so it's but not I will be saying I will be saying no comment if you start name dropping different artists. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but would just... it be like uh, approximately the same uh, page uh, count? Uh, a bit shorter, but still what I consider a brick of a book. Mm. It's going to be hardback because um, we usually do the soft cover books. Or we did the yes. uh, Nemesis of Evil uh, or Evil's Nemesis last year, and we're going to do a soft cover book again this year as well because that's our like standard thing. 
And uh, and other than that, me and Andreas have been uh, brainstorming different uh, thicker hardcover books, and we have a lot of ideas. But since it's such a big project and uh, there are a lot of uh, different uh, factors that have to line up for the book to actually be produced. Um, mm. We we don't know how many years we can continue with that kind of production, but it would be amazing if we could do it this year and next year and the year after that, but only time can tell. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting with the uh, Heart of Darkness uh, that we actually managed to get it through because it was, was a lot of work from both mine and Andreas' uh, side to get everything in order uh, for it to come out. And uh, I'm glad that it's been received so well. So, okay, so a few things. Uh, first of all, so just to confirm that, yes, there will be another hardcover collection. Uh, contents creator team to be announced. Um, okay, so Mikkel, have you, have you thought of anything? I I have a guess what it could be, but I'm not gonna take it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I, I must admit I've drawn a bit of a blank. Um, a, a larger collection. Um, I was initially thinking something like maybe like the Lubunga series, or but that's different creators. Um, I'm trying to think of. Maybe it could be the... No, that's different creators. I was thinking, <laughs> you know the stories about the first Phantom where, the, where they extend, where Ulf and Jamie, uh, yeah. Valve extended like the, the law? Um, so I was thinking that, but that was created by... I think that was done by different creators as well. So, yeah. yeah it's, must... it, it's not that <laughs> thick. Yeah. Um, we'll but, see. All right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. well, um, but no, that, that's great to hear that there's going to be something else like that. And then you've also mentioned that there will be another soft cover album. I'm assuming there will also be another Christmas album as well for 2023. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and we saw in the in the program in issue one that it's going to be the same amount of issues that we have had for like 10 years now or since we started with. Uh, can with, you uh, say that once more? The, the, the amount of uh, issues of Phantom, oh, the yeah. regular ones. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it's 19 issues, right? Or Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, nothing's going to change there. And there's not going to be any changes in page uh, numbers. It's going to be 52 pages in the regular and 100 in the double issues. Which I'm very happy that uh, we'll get to keep. <laughs> so yeah, is, that, is that a bit of a non-negotiable for you? Um, yes, in the sense that I don't have to negotiate about it like for every year, but if, um, if my supervisors come and say, we have to cut this many pages off, it'll, it will, would be hard for me to negotiate that because, you know, there, as we said earlier, those are like factors and, um, and, uh, and stuff that I can't really change that would affect mm. me like that but yeah, it, it hasn't that, been up for debate so i don't think it's going to be any chance for but we're as you said there are so many things that are not related to the phantom at all it's uh, in general for publishing both magazines and books and i think it's something that all of us have to accept that we are in the stage uh, in history where you can produce it doesn't 
always depend on the quality of the product that you produce when it comes to magazines and books because you still have to fight uh, the fact that people don't read the way they used to uh, or they don't read physical books like they used to and all that leads to the costs of a comic book are like proportionally much higher now than they were uh, decades ago so all these factors mean that uh, I'm not saying that we're producing the best comic book in the world but you could produce the best comic book in the world and it still would make a profit uh, it's mm, just yeah. not it's just not based only on quality anymore yeah, yeah I think I think Tony DePaul was uh, talking about basically the same thing with the strip like he's seeing that we don't know when it's gonna end and uh, he has you know talked about that yeah. in this long article yeah and that, not to bring anything down because really I don't think that me and Jacob can see that the end is coming but you know uh, realistically it's during our lifetime <laughs> uh, so to speak but it's not like is uh, 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 like uh, we're not seeing a really bad situation now we're just anticipating that it could come and it could come for reasons that we don't have any control over I mean the pandemic was completely unpredictable and especially what would happen during the pandemic and the result uh, as we found out was that magazine sales went up especially subscriptions. Uh, sales in stores were, of course, difficult during the pandemic, but subscriptions were up for not just the Phantom, but a lot of magazines. Mm. As, and that's stuff that you have absolutely no way of predicting. But the next big thing that happens in the world could be something that turns it all the way down instead, and we can't predict that now. Yeah, true. Yeah. So I use just... so. Well, and I know you've got a job and all that, but I guess you can also say that you're uh, custodians or custodians of the Phantom in Sweden. So, like, how do you see your role to try and preserve the magazine for as long as possible? Like, what are some ways that you can do that, or you know, whether it's by getting new fans and how do you do that, or like, like... um. I think it's a it's a hard balance between appealing to a newer generation whilst not alienating another part of the uh, of of the readers, and it's a really hard because um, yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, you have to think about it every day, like work and new stuff. Like I try to hire. Uh, or or find uh, new artists and writers that are younger in hopes of like getting their initial fan bases onto the team and like just make them aware of the phantom you know um, <clears throat> and uh, we did a democracy themed uh, issue uh, last year which uh, garnered some attention from media uh, and and sadly people were like, reacting with asking like oh i didn't know the phantom still was a thing uh, and, and that kind of sucks you know uh, but that's still important to like keep showing the phantom's face in different uh places so people are aware that he exists and hopefully picks up uh the magazine again or or, or bought, buys it to a friend or a, a daughter or a son you know and to make uh, projects like uh, the heart of darkness 
and trying to like push it onto people who uh, who see comics as like a a, a cultural um, uh, tradition uh, in Sweden. So um, it's a very hard question, and it's very hard to um, uh, to do it. I think I don't know what are you thinking, Andreas. Well, I was gonna say that. Uh... Hopefully, the readers that uh, are have been with us for a long time and are like uh, they want they know what they like and they want more of that. Hopefully, they can understand that when we, you don't get attention from doing the same thing over and over, mm. uh, you get attention by doing something that stands out. And that means trying new artists that are not famous for the Phantom but can get attention from their own fan base. But then the older fans will think this doesn't look like the Phantom I'm used to. But hopefully they can understand why we're doing it and realize that we're not going to do 19 issues that look like this, but we maybe do one or two issues per year that get attention outside the normal fan base to mm. either bring in new fans or remind old fans that, hey, we're still around. Uh, and maybe, uh, you know, so it, it can be a hit or miss, but that is the only way to really get attention is to do something that stands out. Uh, we can't do just the same thing over and over and expect people that have stopped reading the Phantom to come back to us or people that have never read the Phantom to find the Phantom. Uh, you have to do something that stands out at least once a year, uh, basically. So would that be an example of that be uh, Janice Alden, where you got him on a couple of years ago and he's become probably one of the more popular current Phantom artists at the moment? Well, or yeah, but that's not something that, that uh, Janice Alden, I mean, hiring oh, yeah. a new artist like Alden or, or something like that, uh, that's still not something that gets attention outside the Phantom okay. fan base. I'm talking yeah. about the, the stuff like the... Uh, the, the pride issue the uh, um, the phantom uh, political yeah the Swedish issue last year and uh, we did a oh, press okay. release about uh, the phantom being in uh, black and white or the 1000 story or anniversaries uh, like in 20 and in 2016 when we did when the 22nd phantom storyline began those are the things that get yep. picked up by media and uh, that get traction in social media but if you just do another story about the phantom in the jungle or another story about a historical phantom fighting the Singh brotherhood that's not gonna go out into the media and get attention but i mean as i said i hope that the uh, longtime fans realize that we're not trying to get uh, attention grabbing stories uh, or events in every issue that's not the case mm. we but uh, if we never do that we're only going to see a downward spiral yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so have you seen an increase in sales with, for example, the the Phantom beating someone up with the rainbow flag, with the depression issue, with the Phantom going to Sweden? Um, you know, the political island issue. Uh, there was the depression mm -hmm. issue a couple of years ago with the twenty uh, the twenty second Phantom. There's just they're, they're what half a dozen from the last six seven years. Do you see a spike in sales? Yeah, uh, there's definitely like small spikes. Uh, I think the the pride flag one and the depression one were maybe the bigger spikes. 
uh, of the last years. The uh, the one where the Phantom went to Sweden last year didn't really get that much of a sale increase. I think it was more like a a, um, a social awareness, uh, a publicity uh, stunt yeah. um, in that case. But uh, I think I think that's also important to remember that like when we do these kind of stunts, you have to realize that. Yeah, maybe the newspapers will write about it, but how much does that actually sell comics? And yeah. can it be hurtful uh, if something it goes against like the core readers' uh, not values, but uh, their like their idea of the Phantom, or that they're feeling that uh, we're focusing too much on uh, on spectacle or trying to be, stay relevant? They might stop buying the mm. magazine so you have you always have to look at the numbers of sales and how much publicity you get and see if there's actually correlation because uh worst case the phantom just gets like written about a lot but it doesn't really actually uh make more sales if you understand how i mean yeah no that's it's a very good it's a very good point um so 2023 what's your lack of a better term what's your What's your stump for 2023? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's going to be any stunt in the <laughs> magazine. Okay. There's going to be a, a book stunt, I guess. <laughs> uh, sorry, what was that? It might be something book-related, but... Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. That we might have touched upon. No, but I don't think... We haven't really... Uh, I think maybe one thing you could say, but again, this is not that big of a deal, really, is that we're um, we're experimenting with some new slash old uh, cover book... or cover artists. Yes. Um, trying to, like... It's not going to be a permanent uh, shakeup in that, but there's going to be some new faces, some old faces, uh, just to to mix it up a bit. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's anything. I don't know if I'm am I, am I missing something, Andres? Uh, I think you're right that we're not doing anything being a spectacular in that sense this year with the magazine. Uh, but you touched upon it before that we don't have a. Uh, fixed goal of having new stories in every issue but we're not far away from that and as you said we have instead a lot of uh, new backup issues that that uh, backup uh, comics that replace what would have been a reprint anyway so it's new stories in the magazine but it's not the phantom so which is important for the swedish readers but i think that um uh, well we're gonna have some new creators on the stories as well Mainly, uh, I'm looking at the plan now. I think that uh, it's going to feel like we're a bit like last year, that we're really trying to make every issue uh, a must-have issue because there will be something in every issue that you don't get otherwise. Uh, and that is, I think, uh, uh, one of the main uh, thoughts that I had when I joined uh, well, as a, as a regular editor and not a replacement editor, that uh, try to make every issue feel important uh, to have. But as an editor, do you also think like uh, every issue is a good starting point for a new reader that's, that picks up its first phantom and, and at the newsstand? 
Uh, I mean, not when it comes to like the longer stories uh, that span more issues, of course. Uh, and I believe that was a bit of a problem even in the 90s when they did the original Heart of Darkness run that like there were fans that were complaining that they missed one issue or or another uh, or two issues and suddenly they couldn't follow the Heart of Darkness story. So we try to not like I, I, I don't want to have like a bunch of new stories that you have to like you have to buy everything to uh, to follow the, the the story you have to like be able to pick up a magazine once or twice uh, but we also do uh, have some longer stories like uh, Pete Dandersson's uh, Belle Epoque that's been in um, fruit uh, we're doing that now so there you obviously have to buy all of them to to stay connected but yeah yeah, but, but it's not. They, uh, the, those stories are kind of loosely connected, and that's uh, yeah, that that's goes true. for that's true. that go that goes for uh, most of what we have planned now. Like it's it's new, but it's loosely connected or or uh, standalone new stories. Uh, so that as you say, you can pick up an issue and you won't be in the middle of a five part storyline that's absolutely impossible to understand. Uh, so, but I also, as I said for those who buy every issue it's going to feel like a reward that there's always something new in every issue especially for the subscribers uh, i suppose so no new um golden rune or Ibis mystery style sagas for 2023 uh not for 2023 no okay not for 2023 what about 2024 <laughs> 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 oh, second no comment <laughs> um uh, now you, you you made mention of uh returning creators and maybe some new creators now so far on your covers we've seen rafael ruse and sal veludo who has come back to do some covers um and then last year we saw alex suviak do a story as well and I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be another no comment uh, answer, but is there any other creators you can tell us that are going to be new or returning that we might see in 2023? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, there's going to be a new story by Anthony Spey, uh, drawn by Anthony Spey, because uh, he, I don't think he had, he might have had one story last year. Uh, and I think he needs more stories because I really enjoy his style. And it, it's just been like uh, complicated planning uh, and, and other um, works uh, that have uh, come in between. But he's coming back. Um, there's going to be one more. There, there's been one by Janusz, uh, who's also started to doing covers because he made a cover last year. And he made a cover for number four that just came out in Sweden um he's gonna do another cover and another story who was that um, sorry uh, or janusz ordon oh yep yep yeah i yeah. really enjoy his work it looks amazing yeah. in color and then it looks just as good in black and white for the free race yeah. as well yeah he's he's uh incredibly talented and i i personally i really enjoyed uh his uh, cover art uh, I don't know if you saw the one for Phantom Man 16, where the Phantom is fighting a bunch of uh, security yeah. uh, and personnel. Is, is that the one where he's kind of getting out of his Mr. Walker outfit? Yeah, 
Yeah, that yeah. got mentioned in our best of 2022 podcast by oh, one nice. of the reviewers. Yeah, I'm a bit partial because it's based on my story, of course, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed his, and I think his new cover was really good as well. So he might return. Uh, and then there's there's one artist that has never done anything for the Phantom that I want to want to have uh, have have making a, a cover, but that's going to be in the end of the year, I think. Um, I don't, me and Andreas have not discussed that, but I think it's going to be perfect. <laughs> I think it's going to work re really well. Um, and then we also have uh, a new artist for the for the comics that has made one very very short comic last year. Uh, her name is Anna Weatherly, and uh, what's interesting about her is that she is uh, i think she's my age or younger and she's still studying in art school <clears throat> so she's like a very 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 fresh comic book artist that is very talented that has a unique style that has uh, yeah made one story that i don't think exists in english yet and she's hopefully going to be able to churn out two shorter like three to six page phantom stories so it's going to be like small tidbits of, of story oh. and when she's ready she might have something bigger but that's going to take a while so we're, we're trying to like yeah. introduce a bit of new new blood into the system uh but i mean it's hard because once again with the budget i have a limited uh, uh amount of jobs to give out and i have to balance the new with the old and there are some really old uh creators that have been with the phantom for my lifetime times two you know um, so you have to like respect them as well and uh, and have them be able to like come in and, and do their thing because they're both popular and competent but then you also have to like find the new ones and, and try to yeah. get them into uh team phantom you know yeah it's yeah. Really speaking of speaking of returning creators i mean technically we had David Bishop last year returning uh, after a few yeah. years. Uh, and uh, the issue that just came out here that you mentioned was written by Philip Madden, who also hasn't written for a couple yep. of years. But that's the way the situation is now, that there are a lot of uh, creators who have worked for Team Phantom, uh, but we don't produce as many stories, so they don't get one story every year. Uh, so there can be a gap of a few years between stories for some of the creators, but mm. so to speak, there is, there are some. Uh, I think there are some more returning creators this year as well. Um, so yeah, uh, there's going to be some, uh, both some familiar names this year and some uh, new names. Yeah, and some people who are like, yeah, uh, connected to the phantom or the like the comic book scene coming in and writing stories as well um mm. you know i'm thinking of andreas i think so yeah <laughs> i don't um, know what you're talking about any chance of a name <laughs> we're, we're talking in code here <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's our third no comment um <laughs> So Anna Weatherly, that she did the evening in the jungle in uh, twenty two, twenty three last year, and it was written by Jimmy Wellen. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, Mikkel, was that the, uh, I think you sent me a, a, a progress book. That was one by her, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. That is true. That uh, we got from the uh, Stockholm International Comics thing. Mm. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, she she's, uh, her style is more reminiscent of, uh, what is his name? Uh, either it's Chester brown or dan klaus there is some like alternative yeah. it, it's more like uh, you know with where the, the shadows are like small lines instead of like gradients and stuff so it's, it's very different but i think it worked pretty good and the new one she's been working right now is really like becoming more and more phantom like whilst uh, keeping her old style, style. Awesome. yeah um Okay, well, that's that's probably a good question. wasn't on the run sheet, but I'll ask. You're talking about the Phantom style. Um, is that something that you have to, you know, and we all know the story about artists having to basically copy Cyberry's face. Um, hmm. Is that something that you still have to implement from a writing but also from a, an, a drawing artist perspective where there's that, phantom style that they have to follow or is that a little bit looser these days i think it's a bit looser i think it's very important to realize that there are a lot of phantom artists that are beloved because of their style and because mm. the way they draw the phantom um so it's not like they're for example at my uh, company we have a bunch of other you know, uh, strip-sized uh, comics like Beetle Bailey and stuff. And there is really important to, like, keep the exact same style because you, you want to pretend like the original cartoonist never died, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's just ghost drawers that, like, do the exact same kind of bear or cat or moose or whatever it is. Um, but when it comes to the Phantom, we, we put the name of the artist and the writer on the cover. I'm pretty sure that uh, Fru does that as yes. well. And that is specifically to highlight who it is made it. And, you know, maybe there's a fan who doesn't buy every Phantomen, but then he sees, oh, it's a new Carl Lepinen story. I have to have this because I respect mm -hmm. and, and love his art. Um, so I think it's important to give the artists leeway to create their own version of the Phantom uh, while sticking to some principles and guide guidelines, of course. Uh, but there should be some kind of artistic freedom. Otherwise, uh, I think it would be kind of boring. You know, you have to have that freedom. Now, you, you made mention of uh, publishing through stories. What do you look for in a through story to be able to publish it in a Phantom End story? Because obviously you haven't published every through story, so... You, yeah. you must be selective in what you choose. And Andreas, this is probably a good question for you as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, the most, most important thing, like what, what I uh, preferably like avoid and, uh, and, and like is um, we try to stay away from uh, the sequel slash prequels. We, we do some of them if they're really, really good. But there comes the problem that Andreas mentioned in the beginning when it comes to, like, giving the fans what they want. Because, you know, sometimes y you think that you, like, love a story, you love a character like 
is her name Princess Sin, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you really love her, maybe you just want more and more and more and more stories with her as a character. But that kind of like saturates the idea of that character and makes it bland in the end. So I try to stay away from stuff that like, and I say this not trying to sound mean, but you know, like if it looks like fan fiction, I don't really think it fits. I want it to be like a a story that could work without the references to older stories. Okay. Um, unless it, it's really, really good. Like we're gonna reprint this story from Fru that's called Links of a Chain, I think. Right, yep. Andreas? And that's yeah. uh, I mean that's a reference to an older story, of course. Uh, but it's not like an it's just like a very small reference to that those characters. It's not like a direct prequel or sequel to it. So I think it's very important to like to have a story that is like uh, unique in its own way, even if it references back and mm. forth. Is um, it also hard in the sense that through obviously choose, you know like they reprint the original you know Lee Fork Barry newspaper story, um, where if you guys have printed that in the last five years, it might be you know you, you can't really reprint it again. Is that another problem that? Yeah, uh, I, I try to keep track of the timing as well when it comes to uh, connected stories. Uh, and in that case, it kind of works because we reprinted that story that it refers to in a Christmas album recently. Uh, so it's sort of fresh. Uh, but and that's also like one of the main things that I look at now that we want to, when we bring in the through stories, we want to, uh, we don't want to shock the Swedish readers. So we, pick the ones that feel like they fit in best with the Team Phantom stories. Um, and that means that there are, there, it's mainly a focus on the stories that have been written by Pid Andersson and myself. Uh, we also did the Duncan Munro's trilogy uh, that Jeff Weigel drew. So both artistically and story-wise that it kind of feels like a Team Phantom story. I have like yeah. in the back of my mind an idea to like uh, get the readers used to the fact that we sometimes bring in something that looks a bit uh, out of the ordinary just to keep like uh, showing off uh, new stories uh, instead of bringing in reprints but you quickly get a backlash from the traditional fans like last year <laughs> when we did the the outlaws which was written by Peter Andersson it feels very connected to the Team Phantom and uh, Leaf Walk lore, but the art style by Rafael Dantas was a bit more cartoony than we were used to. And immediately you get the feedback like, what is this? This is not the Phantom and stuff like that. And you try to calm them down and say, this is not the new style. It's we're going to see 19 issues. It's a one issue. Yeah. And if you read the story, if you read the text in the speech bubbles, you will find that this is very much a phantom story. It's very much a traditional phantom story even. But the art style is a bit more modern than those readers are used to. But I mean, that's what happened like when when uh, Hans Lindahl began in 1983. His style was like nothing had, he had seen before. And uh, when we brought in Jay Ordon uh, a couple of years ago, his style was also out of the ordinary. So sometimes you have to try these new artists as well and give them a chance, like Jacob says, you know, don't follow the Cyber template, do your own thing and uh, 
some people will not like new art styles uh, and but sometimes a new art style can become like a fan favorite yeah uh, but in general we are kind of uh, cautious about the true stories uh, in the sense that we bring in the stories that feel the most like team fantomen uh, and maybe you know like if you think about it in long term get readers used to the fact that we may reprint a foreign story uh, it could perhaps even be something other than true but we haven't discussed this me or jacob it's just that there are a <laughs> lot of there are a lot of uh, phantom stories published in the world and some of the stories are really good but they don't fit into the team phantom and continuity uh, or they have an art style that doesn't look familiar and i think that bringing in something like that now and then wouldn't hurt uh, if people can understand that this is not the new direction for the magazine as a whole. It's just something special that we bring to you. Uh, kind of like when we did the King's Watch uh, yeah. a few years back when Mikael Sewell brought in King's Watch, uh, even printed them on a different kind of paper as a supplement in the middle of the magazine. Uh, and of course, King's Watch is very, very different from any... Sure phantom story that we make it's like aliens and superheroes and uh, flash gordon and mandrakes magic and all that uh, but it was a limited thing five issues it was a good story if you pay attention to the story uh, and then it was done and maybe we can do some stuff like that again maybe not five issues uh, because long storylines also as jacob says uh, has their challenges with uh, those that only buy a, an issue now and then but maybe the occasional true story or a story from another creator that looks a bit different, feels a bit different, doesn't match the continuity of who the wife of the Phantom is and stuff like that. But that's not for 2023 or maybe even 2024. It's down the line. Oh, well, hopefully, hopefully the Phantom Bible will be a bit more popular by then as well. Um, I'm assuming when you talk about those, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about stories like Moonstone or maybe even the DC stories. Is that sort of uh, yeah. like what you're talking about? Yeah, but us? yeah, it, it's in the back of my hand because you know, Hermes reprinted the whole DC series recently, so yeah. I reread them. Uh, one of those stories has been published in Sweden in a special anniversary special and I, that's the kind of context that i mean like we could when the phantom celebrates an anniversary it's a great time to show what kind of phantom stories yeah. do other countries produce uh so i i mean this like in a one-off special kind of sense yeah. and not not something that becomes uh, yeah regular in every issue at least well, uh, so you have the dc stories. Yeah. Yeah, you had the DC stories and Moonstone. I had, uh, I was reminded of that because, uh, well, both Fru has reprinted some Moonstone stories and uh, the German publisher Sauberstern is doing a yeah. lot of Moonstone stories now also. Um, the Moonstone stories have the problem that they are usually, the best stories are part of a much longer storyline. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to find a one shot story that is good or really good. I liked but, um, uh, issue 26, which was the 13th Phantom. That wasn't bad. Um, but anyway, that's getting distracted a little bit. We're three years away from 90 years as well, so maybe that's maybe that could yeah. be the next anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Um, will we see a solution on the Sandal Singh drama saga? 
for you to say, Andreas. <laughs> I, I, uh, can I decide that? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. But, uh, <laughs> you heard it. Yeah. Here well, uh, yep, definitely. I mean, there's yeah. stuff um, uh, left uh, unfinished by, I mean, by by Mickey and. Uh, um, by the passing of Klaus and like stuff, there's stuff we we have to like figure out, and we haven't mm. forgotten any of it. But it might take some time because we want to do it justice. Okay, so would that also be the twenty second Phantom Saga as well that you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So, okay, are we going to see any stories featuring the Sandal Singh ongoing saga and also the twenty second Phantom Saga? In 2023? Uh, no. I can be... Okay. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, uh, no. No. Um, and it's like you say, we we have to... Uh, that Those kind of stories take uh, some more thought behind them, especially... Uh, well, Klaus had already left it in the hands of others because he retired. Uh, but it's still a different situation after he passed. It kind of... Uh, I, I don't know. It it, uh, it 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 affected us. Is yeah. what I can say. And I don't know. Uh, we probably, if Klaus had still been alive, compared to now when he isn't, probably will affect how we write the rest of the story. Even if he, even if we mm. wouldn't have any contact with him. I mean, it's difficult to explain. But he left it in the hands of others. But now that we know that he isn't around, I think it affects how we think about it going forward yeah. and it kind of makes it a bit uh, more uh, well we, we, we would take it seriously yeah sensitive or mm. we would have taken it seriously no matter what but now it kind of becomes like a legacy thing and not just like hey here's the fun thing that we're doing with the stuff that you started uh, yeah. what did you think about it now it's like it's we can't we don't even know what he will think about it it's uh, and it's like his legacy in the sense that he created this thing that it became so talked about and which is basically what you want when you create a story i mean you want to create stories that have an impact uh even if it means that some of the people won't like it uh, but Klaus was also a kind of person that could take that he, he could like take the hits from fans that were traditionalists and he knew that you can I mean he was also an expert on doing very traditional phantom stories yeah. uh, but uh, that are they are very classic in themes but he could also do these stories that were way out of the box uh, and um, yeah we we just feel that it's uh, uh, still it's, too it's early. a bit more yeah well we're we're talking about it but uh, uh, there used to be a couple of years gap between these parts anyway, even when Klaus was writing them. They, they, in the last few years, they haven't produced 22nd Phantom or Sandal Singh stories every year anyway. So nothing has changed that in that sense. But uh, we are talking about it in a more profound way now that we know that this is a legacy thing rather than uh, something that we could chat with the class uh, at the book fair in Gothenburg and say hey what did you think about the ending we made to your story and he could say ah it was crap ha 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 <laughs> now it's like we don't have that uh, we don't have that uh, chance anymore and it kind of 
affects how we think about it, I think. Mm. Now, this is probably a question you're not going to be able to answer, but do we have any idea, while we're talking about class, do we have any idea where he was leaning about was the Phantom the Father of Sandal Singh's son and where was the 21st Phantom? Do we have any idea about those two questions? I can honestly say that I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I was never <laughs> filled in on that information. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Andreas I, probably would say no comment. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say no comment. And I think the person that knows the most is Mikael Sul because he was Klaus's editor when they started this. Um, but uh, we'll leave it at that. And as, as I said, Klaus was very clear about when he retired that we don't have to follow any of his intentions. Mm. We don't have to know his intentions. But I think that maybe now when the situation is like it is, we will probably have a sit down with Mikael and like discuss the things that they discussed and then decide where we go. Okay. Uh, and, and do you know, I mean, I guess you don't know, but do you just want to tie the knot or continue with the, with the line storyline and go further? Um, I think we discussed this on our meeting last time, me and Andreas, and I think we said like four or six more stories or something, because we don't want to just want to tie it up being like, oh, he was there all the time or something, because it, yeah. it didn't feel like it was ending with the last two uh, like showdown at the Paradise Hotel. That didn't feel like it was close to any ending. So it would be doing the fans a disservice if we just wrapped it up in in 40 pages, you know? So I think it's going to take a, a while to get to the ending, depending on what kind of information we get from uh, Mikkel, of course. Maybe it was a really simple uh, solution in the end, but I don't think so. I think it is going to be a, a longer story. So do you have a writer in mind, it might even be one of you, who will be taking over the 22nd Phantom Saga? Uh, we do have a writer in mind. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to say who it is yet, but um, this is like a writer that uh, uh, like me and Mikkel were discussing when I took over, and uh, me and Andreas have discussed this as well. Uh, but regardless who it is, I think we're going to be very uh, nosy in, in the production, and more than we already are. I mean, the two of us both uh, usually read uh, the stories, uh, I usually do a lot of editing to make the, the story a bit tighter and, and, and better. Uh, but in these uh, stories, we're really going to make sure that like it feels right. So we're both yeah. going to be uh, working closely with the uh, author. Okay. And especially in my, in, from my point of view, that it connects to the other stories in a logical mm. sense. Uh, yes, exactly. Basically. And that... Uh, since we're since it will inevitably be a new writer, that is something that uh, a lot of things can be f forgotten or missed. So we are going to need, and of course, uh, Mikael, who is our proofreader, who he, he will also down the line have some responsibility of uh, spotting uh, errors or uh, continuity gaps or something like that. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I reckon it is a bit of pressure um, because. <laughs> It's such a, the thing that I enjoy about the series 
is that it references to a lot of older stories from Team Phantom Men, but also the Lee Fork stories. There's a lot of classic Phantom, a lot of reference to Phantom stories. Um, so, you, you, in my opinion, you have got to get someone who knows the Phantom very, very well to be able to even match and mm. to or to be able to continue on where uh, Close was going. Yeah. It might, might be maybe we we should even do it like it's this author and Andreas Eriksson or something. So you know, so like we get really into it uh, just to make all those connections. Because as we've mm. said earlier, like the people who work with the Phantom aren't always specifically fans themselves. Yeah. I I struggle a lot with that when I write my stories to actually make it connect to the bigger picture because I've I don't have every answer or like every connection in front of me uh so that might be an idea we have to do yeah yeah actually uh, <laughs> yeah uh but actually that's a fun thing to mention i mentioned that mikael is our proofreader at uh the phantom magazine which was the position i had before when mikael sul was editor and i had the same idea as mikael sul had that you don't want a proofreader that, that just spots uh, spelling errors you want someone who is a fan who understands the the plot line and can be like a, a backup uh, editor almost. And um, mm. there, I don't think the people realize how much extra f we add late in the production when it comes to connecting it to the overall picture. I mean, especially when we do a historical story. Uh, in the script, it may not always even be specified which phantom it is. It could just be the phantom that is active in the 1800s is what the script says. And then yeah. it's up to us to connect it with, well, which phantom, when does this take place? When does it make sense? Uh, okay, the phantom is going to Europe again. Can we connect it to another thing? Oh yeah, he was going in this story, he was traveling to Europe. This could happen during the same trip so he doesn't have to go back and forth in the same year. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of those details are added like, uh, it could be even in the stage of proofreading when we mm. are finishing up the text uh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and I guess that's where the Phantom Bible comes in as well. Because <laughs> 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 um, I think, uh, Mikkel, one of the, you had a, a sheet which has now been added to the Phantom Bible, but you had like a sheet of which Phantom used which weapons and and, and, yeah. and that was the type of stuff that you had to look at. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 and uh, I also asked you to add all the colors of the horses and the wives' hair colors, and yeah, the eye colors, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, like for instance, you might do one of the wives is redhead in one story, yeah. and then now obviously, you know, with someone called Flame, you would expect it to you expect her to be a redhead, but not everyone's called Blondie or, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, they're all the type of things that I guess you have to look look for. Mikkel, do you have any specific 2023 questions? Any that I've um, missed? Um, doo -doo. We've still got some more random Phantom Man questions that we want to ask. Yeah, let's move to that. Okay, so we've talked about... Uh, uh, Klaus Murphy, who sadly is no longer with us, and 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 the hole that he left us. Uh, just quickly, are we going down the path of that? We have to have uh, multiple writers pick up the slack of Klaus, who was 
the the main writer before is that is that kind of like the the path that we're choosing yeah i don't think we have any writer that we see as the 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 main writer anymore yeah. uh in the same way that class was there are some good writers that we i wouldn't say like prioritize because I, I try to spread it out as much as possible um but i've been really enjoying pete de uh, anderson uh his uh, his works uh, recently with the fruit ones uh, specifically, and I know he writes a million stuff for my company in general. So um, I might want to because I don't think he's written a phantom story for no. eight months yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's one of those ironic kind of funny things. You're having a Sweden no. writing um, yeah, story exactly. for yeah. an Australian publisher who's never had one. But actually. but actually, that is a consequence of how things were before with. Class being the main writer mm. while the number of stories was decreasing and in the end he wrote almost all the new stories uh, with the exception of one or two by Mikael Sol and uh, myself or someone else now and then. But that also meant that someone like Pidde who has been trying to get into Team Phantom for years or maybe even decades he found a quicker way by going to through, uh, yeah. which I also did. Uh, I also uh, got... Uh, well, I was published by Egmont first, but I sold my first script to Fru. Um, so, and that was sort of because uh, all the spots were taken already at Team Phantomen. Yep. And we're not uh, doing that the same way now with one writer filling all, almost all the spots. Instead, we will have several writers doing one or two issues per year. And that means that there is a big responsibility for the editors to keep the overall picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure Peter Anderson would like you saying that he spent decades because that will probably tell everyone just how old he is. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um... One of the things I love as a collector, and Mikkel would know this, is I love the extras that used to be in the Phantom Man magazine back in the 70s, 80s, and uh, in the 90s. Now, will we ever see extras or supplements in the magazines again besides the two posters that we see in issue 1 and 16, I think it is? Uh, not right now. Uh, it, it's the same problem as we discussed yep. earlier with like uh, lower sales and uh, <clears throat> inflation and stuff. There, there's just no budget for uh, to keep that kind of uh, production going uh, when it comes to the Phantom. I mean, I mean uh, Egmont does that a lot for like Lego or uh, or other products, but those are like sold like maybe ten or or twenty times more issues than we do so they like there's no market for that and it's kind of sad because you know back in the day we had the phantom club as well where you had your number and you could like get some benefits and even a cake um <laughs> and it, that would be fun to do but then i think we'd need to well, first of all i would have to work only with the phantom to like keep up with all that editorial work together with andreas so it's just like a uh, too little budget and too little time for us to respectively to have that ongoing, sadly. But I think but that we do towels. <laughs> yeah, towels. Yeah, uh, are you gonna send a towel with the magazine? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you uh, subscribe, subscribe, you get that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, I think that me and Jacob, uh, what we do well is that we do creative things regardless of how small the budget is. Like, for example, we don't have a budget to do, to do more supplements than the posters you mentioned. But for the um, uh, publishing schedule poster in issue one this year, it uh, it's not just a it, yeah. It's not just a random illustration. It's like uh, a, a scene from the major treasure room with a, a list of the items and all of that. So mm. that's like it. It fits within the same budget because you're going to have a new illustration, regardless of what. But there was a lot more research uh, done by me and Jacob before the artist did the work to make a poster that also had some. Uh, content that was uh, special and the same with the publishing schedule poster the year before that which referenced uh, the anniversary of the phantom daily strip being published in a swedish newspaper where we uh, the artwork of that poster is mr walker it's from when he is in stockholm during the depression story actually Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah he's reading a newspaper and the front page of the newspaper it is the same newspaper that publishes the phantom daily strip Uh, we haven't got we even got uh, contacted them and got uh, the rights to use their real logo and design of the front page and the news story on the front page is from when the phantom is in stockholm it's the news report about uh, the action that went on the day before, which was oh, when it was in yeah. Stockholm. You, you see a little uh, a scene from um, from that uh, the gallery when it gets robbed. Uh, yeah. So there are so, a lot of like small references for the real real uh, nerds to get into. So <laughs> regardless, I miss that. Yeah. Uh, so, but regardless, if it's uh, we're talking about posters or covers or stories or stories from through. Uh, or reprints even, we try to add some extra value. Uh, yeah. And I think that we do that quite well. Uh, so uh, that's, an head, that's a heads up for uh, uh, fans and collectors that take an extra look on the last two uh, publishing schedule posters and you will find that this is not just some random artwork that could have been used as a cover or something. This is a lot of thought went into producing these posters that are you know, they still cost the same because the artist is going to make the artwork anyway, but the content, uh, the motif uh, is like uh, specifically aimed for the dedicated fans. Mm. All right. Now, definitely know this is going to be a no comment option. So, um, question. We've talked a little bit about selling issues and budget and stuff like that. Without, and I'm not even sure if you know the exact figures, but is there any chance of you telling me how many issues you roughly sell? You know, how many you per? Are we talking about 50,000, 10,000? Give me a wink. 20,000? I'll say no comments, but uh, my budget for this year has not changed from the last two years and that's usually like you know something that implicates whether it's going good or well so we're stable and it's it's going good I'll so your that. budget would decrease if the subscription numbers were or the the readership numbers were decreasing by a fair bit uh if it would be like a significant drop i mean that's just like you know basic yeah. economics like if it doesn't sell but it, it, 
it, yeah. it could also decrease for other reasons, which was yeah, what yeah, we were talking about. Like the paper costs, uh, the printing yes. costs, could go, if they go up 20 to 50%, that could mean that the budget goes down and it doesn't mean that the safety is yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but we're stable. We're stable. It's it's going good. Uh, I can say that. Oh, that's, that's you, good. If you would rank like uh, the revenue stream of uh, subscription, loose issue sales, and the uh, digital uh, version of Flip, is it like mm -hmm. subscription is the strongest still? Uh, that has always been the big one when it comes to sweden in general uh after that i think it's loose or i don't know it's very hard to know with flip because i think when you subscribe you technically get it on flip as well mm. so it's very hard to like know which of those numbers are duplicates and not especially also because if you have a flip you can also read other things and i'm not sure how those st statistics are uh, implemented but it's definitely as regular subscriptions that is uh, the biggest thing. Well, that's good. That's that's good. Um, I suppose while we're talking about that, uh, for there's a lot of fans outside of Sweden that that read the comic. I I can think of you know straight top of my head people that I talk to at least once or twice a, a week. There's at least a dozen of those that get subscriptions as well. Um, what's the best option for, say, someone from Australia or the US or, or something like that? If they want a hard copy of the Phantom Men comic, what would be the best way for them to order a subscription? Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know? <laughs> I, I mean, well, you can subscribe through uh, the Egmont website. It's not adapted for, it's adapted for. Swedish people living abroad, so it's not. Uh, it's not it's still English. in Swedish. No, it, yeah. it's Swedish, but you can get through it, uh, and then you will get every issue sent to you. But yeah. I think that, economically speaking, if you could get in touch with a collector in Sweden who starts a subscription in Sweden and he collects the issues in a pile and ship a couple of packages a year, you probably could get it cheaper that way yeah yeah probably and then I mean, there are also resellers uh, yeah there's resellers so in sweden that's buy every copy and can sell it so even if you don't want to have that kind of connection you can still get them yeah and you made mention of flip as well which is an online um do they have an app or is it yeah it's an app i think uh, i don't use it myself <laughs> um, so it's an app yeah, and you can buy a digital subscription and read the comic on your computer or on your on your on your phone as well yeah i read and, it on uh, the it's, it stores one year from the last issue so if issue four came out now that means that up till issue five 2022 is still available and then when Okay. Number comes out, then it's, yeah. So uh, yeah, you get a backlog that uh, it's pretty good, and it's a lot cheaper. I'm assuming. Uh, I mean, uh, it will be cheaper because you get uh, you get all the other comics and all the other magazines, all in Swedish, of course. But yeah. since they're included, so it's a monthly payment. 
but you get more content just like okay. with Spotify or any other kind of streaming service. So in that sense, it's very uh, aff uh, affordable. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, know I would recommend. Uh, oh, the, the hard copy? Oh, so you recommend? Yeah, I, I'd recommend the yeah. hard copy because I think it's something special about having it and uh, flipping through the papers, you know, yeah. even though it's harder to get. Yeah, totally agree. I I get, I've got, I think I've got about three, four hundred of the Phantom Man comics. Um, you know, I, I love them. Um, I will make mention, uh, you were talking before, Andreas, about the King's Watch issues. Please don't do it like that again because that's not very good putting <laughs> yeah. them in boxes or, or or filing cabinets because it was that little, it was that like about an inch taller. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> from a collector's, collectors, point of view. collectors hate it, but uh, you see that a lot in Swedish yeah. uh, magazine stands, uh, not just for the Phantom, but uh, or uh, comic books in general. But other magazines often have this little extra thing that makes their uh, magazine you get a two bit above taller. The folds. Yeah, you get a bit taller in the newsstands, and you often have like this uh text that says that this is there's something special in this yeah. issue and i think it does help in the uh, sales of uh, uh issues in the newsstands yeah yeah just us poor collectors but, don't like that extra yeah, bit we don't have any plans <laughs> for anything like that now no <laughs> um now so we've talked a little bit about continuity um and, and stuff and this is probably a question more for Mikel and andreas but if there's a continuity issue, what do you refer to or what do you lean towards? Is it a fork or is it a Team Phantom Man? Well, uh, the the way, uh, I would say that the way they are published in Phantomen, I mean, uh, in, in the Phantomen magazine, it's not Team Phantomen stories versus Lee Fork stories. It's yeah. incorporated, which means that, uh, which most often means that the Lee Fork stories were edited. Uh, either that you know, Lee Falk would have like a, a throwaway line here about oh, the tenth Phantom married that woman, and that totally contradicts what he had written ten years before. And in the meantime, Team Phantom has made five stories about another wife, and then it's like, what happens now? The they usually just took out that panel or changed the text in the panel to keep it consistent yeah. uh, in the Phantom magazine. So we have uh, basically. Uh, a, a very consistent continuity if you look at how the newspaper stories were presented in the Phantomen magazine. So that is what we are looking at mostly. And I would say that's also when I said that we're looking at true stories or stories from other publishers, they have to fit into that continuity. Yep. Uh, for now, I don't think that, as I said, I through the editorial text in the magazine, I try to like warm up the readers sometimes to the fact that there are other publishers outside of Sweden that do stuff and that we maybe bring it in like a special now and then. But for the most part, it has to like fit in the continuity. And that's, uh, I know that has been a bit of a, a discussion that, you know, uh, Lee Falk wasn't always very consistent. Uh, and he sort of gets away with it because he was the creator and a lot of people think that he had the right to change his continuity along the way. But I don't think that he did it on purpose. I think that a lot of the changes that Lee Falk did was just 
he didn't remember and the editors at King Features didn't pay attention to continuity. So if someone had just seen the scripts before they were sent to an artist and said, well, actually, this woman uh, married another phantom in the past, so maybe you should keep it the same. <laughs> I think the Leaf Oak would have said, sure, because that was not the point of the story. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to actively change things. It just happened because no one kept track of what he wrote during the 60 years that he wrote them, except the editors at Fantomen in Sweden, but then it was too late. So they only, their only option was to like cut and paste in the stories that he made when they presented it to Swedish readers. So Lee Falk needed to hire us back in the day. Uh, <laughs> he he could have done that. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, if he had had a, a fanboy uh, near him, uh, and that just could check the continuity issues. I don't think there would have been many issues because I don't <laughs> think that was the purpose of the changes. Yeah. At the same time, I agree that we shouldn't get locked down in details like that. If it's a good story, it's a good story. But uh, me and Jacob, we can't get away with just making a good story and be sloppy with the details. That's, uh, that's, just, that's just a fact. We have to show that we pay attention to the details and I think that we have to show that we at least try to make it work in the bigger context. We mm -hmm. don't have to succeed every time because not even Ulf Granberg succeeded uh, every time. There are errors in the past Team Fantoma stories as well. Uh, but we could never get away with saying that eh, we don't care about it. And I remember as a comparison, when the Moonstone stories came out, and they started to make historical stories. This is it's usually in the historical stories that the continuity becomes a problem, so to speak. Uh, and when Moonstone started to make historical stories, they very quickly started to contradict themselves. Like they didn't, they made less than 40 uh, historical stories and there are contradictions everywhere. And I even contacted them. I don't remember if it was on a forum or an email, but they just answered back that we don't have a continuity for the historical stories. Mm. They didn't pay attention to it. So they, they didn't just have left a phantom every... Bible. They didn't have a phantom Bible. <laughs> they didn't have a phantom wiki. They didn't have a continuity <laughs> editor for that kind of stuff. It was all up to the writers themselves, and they didn't read, yeah. you know, the other yeah, Moonstone yeah. stories. So, like, you had. Uh, I think Julie appeared in like three stories and each story has a widely different uh, idea of how her family life is and things that happened like after the Lee Falk origin story about Julie. Uh, and that was, to me, it's uh, inexplicable that you do that like with your own creation. I can understand that you can, you can sort of separate it from Lee Falk and say that we can't keep up with Lee Falk, but here's our our version but you should keep that version consistent anyway on those details especially when you do not that many stories and within a limited time frame mm -hmm. uh, and that's as i said that's something we can't get away with because we have diehard fans in, in sweden that will definitely uh, complain if we miss the obvious details anyway uh, and that's something that i you know uh, jacob uh doesn't uh, I? I don't think that anyone expects him to be that continuity uh, nerd like we are. Uh, so and and uh, that's where we have it. Like in several stages, like 
Jacob he reads the scripts first and checks is this a good story is an is it an exciting story then I look at the plot and the script and like say that uh, this doesn't match at all you have to change this and this but you know the the plot line is still good but the continuity details are a bit off and then the final stage is when Mikael is uh, joining us for the proofreading and then now we're talking about like two weeks before print <laughs> uh, that, that's when we're checking details like the hair color of the wives and the color of the horses and the eye color and uh, uh, how it uh, does it fit with other stories that are set in the same time period if we have missed that before anyway so uh, yeah, well. yeah we do we spend a lot of time on it uh, and some readers wouldn't care at all if there were contradictions, mm. but uh, there are so many readers that do care that if we deliberately stopped paying attention to it, they would spot it immediately and they would complain because now and then something does slip through the cracks and we get told about it. <laughs> so, but um, I, oh. yeah, I, I also think that we have, or you, Andreas, have a bit different view than than Mikael Sol had before, because like there was this 17 years where we didn't have uh, Loaga as president, and I mean, there were so many daily strips that they just edited, edited him out and put sa uh, Sandal there, or just changed the text, and now it feels like we try to do so little work as possible on on the daily stories i mean we, we try to keep them as close to the original as possible mm. and yeah i remember we did the reprint of uh, i think it was the the founding of the jungle patrol where there is one one panel with this uh phantom viking or something and it's like doesn't make sense uh, the the folk what he wrote and we just did a we wrote it as uh what's it called asterisk note from the publisher yeah yeah we that's true that uh, our main difference uh, if we circle back to uh, our history with working with a phantom i uh, i have been doing freelance work for many years and back in 2016 i was temporarily editor for the first time and back then it was the normal was that all newspaper strips were edited uh it had nothing to do with continuity. It was mainly to just take away the repetition panels, you know, tighten it up, make it feel more like a comic book story than a newspaper strip story. So that was a lot of my work when I was filling in the, in 2016 was going through the newspaper strip stories and like crossing out panels uh, and, you know, just tightening up the action and all that. Now, that's one of the things that I mean that the readers we have today have slowly been adjusted to accepting that phantom stories are produced from different sources and they look a bit different and that is something that we talk about in the editorial texts to explain this so now they accept that we run the daily strip stories unedited the sunday strip stories unedited but when a contradiction comes up uh, because we leave it unedited like you say the easiest way now uh, is just to mention it outside the story, either in the editorial pages or a footnote. Instead of in the old days, you would have 
cut out that panel or you would have rewritten the text or you might have even taken in another artist and redrawn the art to make it feel uh, like it fit in with the Team Phantom and continuity. So it's a, uh, I mean, some of this is probably uh, based on economical necessity because there was a lot of work done on the newspaper strip stores before. But I also think that the readers understand where we're coming from today so they don't even need all that corrections and uh, continuity fixes of the newspaper strip stories and a, a lot of readers i think uh, appreciate that they get it unedited uh, like it was supposed to be basically yeah so it's uh, i think it's partially the readership has changed compared to Back in the 70s and 80s, the readers were kids, mainly. Like, the average age of a reader was perhaps 12 years old, and for them it's confusing if it's widely different phantom continuities. But the readers we have today, a lot of them are still the same readers that began when they were 12, and now they are 30 or 40. They understand what goes on behind the scenes, and they can like separate the newspaper strip story from a Team Fantoma story. But also, uh, when and if new readers begin reading the Phantom or comics in general today, they have a different awareness of how fiction is produced. Like back in the 60s, the stories weren't even signed. You didn't even know who the artist and writer was. But that changed in the 70s and 80s. And today, uh, regardless if you have stayed on since back then or if you're a new reader, uh, you have a different awareness of how comics, TV, series, movies, video games are produced. So you, you look at it differently and you're not confused by the fact that the story I read in last issue uh, seemed to be looking different than the story I read in this issue. You kind of understand that, ah, the last story uh, ran in newspapers in the United States, and this story has been specifically made for the Phantom magazine in Sweden. And people, our readers, can understand that. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that because uh, that's something that I recognize in myself from when I was like uh, 12 years old and I was subscribing to Spider Man. And I got so frustrated all the time when I was reading some stories and then I got a new magazine and the stories were not connected. Because I could, because as you said, I couldn't put that those two things together. That this is not one cohesive story written and drawn by the exact same people. But now, as an editor, I'm just you know looking back at myself and being like, oh, "You were so stupid, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> so complex this work." <laughs> but yeah, I, I believe our our readers are much more like aware, especially like the Phantom uh, enthusiasts are really aware of exactly who made what and from which country it originates. And also in the latest issue number four, we even mention it in the in the leader text um, that we explicitly contacted Tony DePaul to discuss his future plans with Kit in uh, Himalaya so we could make a Team Phantomen story uh, that, that took place in that setting without contradicting oh. any future things. Oh, there you go. You just gave us another exclusive. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's I did cool. think about that. Yeah, but that's <laughs> true. We have, uh, I mean, uh, back in the day, uh, Ulf Granberg and uh, King Features worked 
completely separately on producing mm. stories and you had sort of uh, do the edits on already published stories uh, to make them fit together. But now we can be in contact with Fru, with Tony, and sort of uh, figure out some of these stuff before. Because the same thing goes for Fru, of course. They yeah. would rather publish stories by us that fit in nicely with the rest of the stories. So it, uh, we try our best to keep it consistent. But again, uh, if we don't, I think that the readers today are a bit more mature in the sense that they can understand that uh, this might not match up completely. Mm. <laughs> uh, because yeah. we are we are producing it in different countries in for different mediums, different formats. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, we 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 don't have to be uh, uh, we don't have to keep it consistent between the versions like. Team Fantoman and King Features, we can get away with showing things differently. But within the Team Fantoman universe, we definitely can't get away with ignoring our own past stories. That's where we yeah. have to keep the continuity crystal clear. Ah, uh, just an anecdote that I remember when uh, we did, uh, I think it was the Duncan Monroe stories. And in Sweden, we have a different word for. Uh, uncle on your mother's side and on your father's side and mm -hmm. we didn't know which one it was so andreas has talked with uh, duncan and then i mean then it become uh canon from from the swedish side that wasn't in the english version because it's the same word basically there's a lot of things that we could have well, and I'm sure we could probably talk for another hour. Um, <laughs> but I know you guys, are, um, as we're recording, for those who don't know, but they're actually um, at work, uh, the three of you. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time because um, I'm sure you, your emails are piling up as, 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 as we're t talking. We've talked a little bit about this before, uh, Jacob, before you uh, rocked up. So Andreas has had the last two hours to think about this. Um, so sorry for putting you on the spot. Now, we've talked a lot about Ulf Granberg, talked about Mikel Sol, and now we're, you know, who are, you know, past editors. Ulf is kind of like the, you know, the grandfather. He's the, he's the godfather, I guess you probably should say, of the Phantom editors around the world. He's left such a huge legacy. Um, and look, I'm sure. We all would all like to be able to leave a legacy, an imprint on the character that we're involved with as well. So, Ulf filled many holes left by Lee Fork and built on the legacy. Uh, according to some reports, when he was editor, there was over three hundred thousand comics per issue that 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 was printed and and sold. That's you know humongous. And then you have uh, Mikel Sol, where he's he had a yearly media attention grabber that would uh, be in the media like for instance the 22nd Phantom uh, the flag cover the political island and the depression story uh, and stuff like that as well and then also he oversaw Sandal Singh and the 22nd Phantom as well so and I know you're still fairly early in the piece and this is probably a, a five ten year goal but what what would you like to see your legacy be or your imprint left on the Phantom, uh, Andreas. I'll ask you first. Seeing you've had last two hours to think about this question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I think that uh, what I'm trying to do is make the magazine feel alive, that we're showing off new stuff and that we show that uh, the people working on it uh, care and we work hard uh, on what we do. Uh, so, you know, just try to fill the magazine with new and in interesting stuff. And uh, I care less about where it comes from. Uh, I think that we have to accept that uh, we can't fill the, the year with 19 new Team Fantoma stories every year. But if we can find like uh, five to uh, 10 stories from Fru or other publishers or something like that, uh, as well as interesting and new backup comics, because that is also very important for the Phantoman magazine. It's not just about the Phantom. Uh, but, and, you know, avoid the feeling, like, uh, like uh, Jacob said, it would be so easy to turn it into an uh, all-reprint magazine, uh, mm. like a, a zombie magazine that just reprints uh, the same stories. Like, you could pick an issue 20 years back in time, and then you just take the same sequence of stories and run it, uh, it would probably actually work out better than people think because a lot of people yeah, that buy the, the Phantom... <laughs> yeah, as I mean, I mean we, we have... To... It would probably work and we don't want to go there. <laughs> no, we don't want to go there. And I think that's the struggle that Jacob has to make more often than I do, that he has to fight for, you know, actually proving that there is a worth in producing new stuff. For example, that we can take the new stories and then put them into nice books. Uh, because if you don't do new stories, and mm. if you don't do new stories that, uh, that, that actually make a worthwhile collection, uh, then you don't have that extra profit. You, if you only repeat the same stories over and over in the magazine, you never will have new material for the books, uh, for example. So, yeah, I'm just, uh, like uh, Jacob described our uh, work process by me asking for things and he shrinking it down to fit the budget. <laughs> uh, but it usually still ends up when, I mean, we both want it to feel as new and fresh as possible. So we, uh, we do creative solutions to stay within the budget, but not just fill it with the reprints. So you're the fun dad on Dryas, and Jacob's the, <laughs> the fun place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jacob, what would what would what what's the legacy or the imprint you would like to see you leave on the Phantom? Um, well, first of all, as as Andreas <clears throat> mentioned, to keep it alive and fun for the readers. Uh, I mean. To say that I want the magazine to exist when I leave the company, uh, that feels like a low bar. Like I want it to be fun and engaging and hopefully like in a better place where it is now. Uh, although like if, despite all the problems in the world, but then on a more personal level, level uh, I think the Heart of Darkness book is already like one stepping stone there. I want to create uh products beyond the magazine that like are placed on the top shelf in the bookshelf on display like mm. uh that really shows how much creative 
uh, genius has been put in the Team Phantom story. Uh, because as I mentioned in the beginning of the, the podcast, a lot of Swedish people think that the Phantom is Swedish. And when it comes to Team Phantom, it truly is that, even though Team Phantom is like an international team, but there is like, this is the product of the Swedish team and the Swedish uh, project leaders put pulling uh, artistic uh, people from all across the world and creating these nice beautiful books that can stand the test of time um so as i mentioned we might be cooking something up this year and i want to just keep producing these these books i want that to be my niche i don't have to like you know go beyond ulf granberg which i don't think yeah. is possible <laughs> but i still want to like do something that's typically me you know like yeah. every every project leader has their own thing that they're remembered by and i feel like we're already on the path of like, yeah, this is the deluxe cover era where the nice, really expensive Winter edition hardcover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know I was talking to Andreas. We were talking about the Mitten book. And um, mm. we were talking about it and I said, oh, this is a really good book. And he goes, oh, just, 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 just you wait. The, the Heart of Darkness one's going to be just as good. And I said, mate, you're setting yourself up for a fall because this is a really nice book. And he goes, no, 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 we'll be, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. And um, I have to admit, you did a good job with that. Yeah, thank you. I got an email from uh, Hans Lindahl uh, because we used some of his artwork in the book uh, because we sent him a, a copy. And he, uh, he uh, yeah, said congratulations to me and Andreas for making such a good book and that it really showed that this was not just something put together by oh, wow. some people trying to make a quick buck. This was an actual work behind it. And that really meant a lot to me yeah. uh, because there are other projects I work with that are much quicker made, you know, where I don't have to think about, think that much, but this was really like our, like my first project where I really put my all into it. It was a big risk also. And it turn out to be a good reward so um yeah, it's, yeah uh, it's I think that maybe we should mention uh, another person that is has been very important but isn't specifically phantom connected and that's the art director at egmont matthias matson yes because he he has uh uh redesigned the look of the magazine he designs the books uh, especially the heart of darkness but also the other books like the overall design and he's not I don't know if he's a Phantom fan because we never talk about the details in the stories. He's the art director. So he looks at the, the design and the graphics and not just for the Phantom, but for, I think, almost all of the Egmont line. But the reason the books... The reason that the books look so good, the reason that the Heart of Darkness has the design that it has uh, is because you and Matthias have been having that discussion. Uh, I don't get involved very much in the design uh, issues with either the magazine or... Uh, the books, I just supply the content, but you, in cooperation with Matthias, you make it look good as well. Yeah, he was the one pushing for the the emblem on the front and the everything on the back, which is That's just like the, the tiniest details, yeah. you know, that really make the book stand yeah. out so more. Yeah, yeah the embossed part yeah. there and... Mm. Uh, uh, I think he also convinced you to do the uh, numbering because you had to do it by hand. And, yeah, uh, exactly. 
and you had done, he had done it before on the other collector's editions, like not Phantom books. Uh, but yeah, I I heard that you had to personally stamp the one thousand copies with a number. Oh wow, really? <laughs> so I'm not sure if you can see it on um on YouTube if you but yeah, no, hopefully no. you can see there with the um with the light with the embossing down the side. There's the embossing or is it that is that a debossing because you're de depressing? Yeah, that what it's called. What it's called, yeah, I think and so. Then, um, but yeah, but but you really see like when you take off the, the yeah dust jacket uh, folder, it looks like an ancient tomb, you know. And yeah, that was really yeah. the, the vibe we were trying to get. And then there's yeah. the 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 numbering that's been done individually. I know, Andreas, I think you did that with the Lee Fork Storyteller book, you did something similar. Uh, it wasn't numbered, but it was stamped, yes, because we yes. got uh, we had a stamp that came from Lee Fork's office, so every uh, book that we sold at least th through, uh, through the Scandinavian chapter uh, was stamped with uh, a genuine Lee Fork stamp, so it was uh, the next best thing to a signature. Yeah, yeah, no, look, you've done a great job, looking forward to what you're producing in 2023. Um, Look, I really appreciate your time uh, this afternoon for you, gentlemen. Uh, Mikkel, have you got any other questions or anything you want to I'm super ask? happy. Super happy. Um, did you learn anything new? Yeah, quite a lot. Um, have, have you figured out what stories is going to be in this year's hardcover collection yet? I think it's some um, Tim Phantom stories uh, that is older than uh, 20 years. Okay, all right. Um, That's my guess. Jacob's still giving us the... He's just holding up a sign that says <laughs> no comment now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we only got about four or five no comments. Uh, I think... I think no. I, I appreciate you guys being so candid with us and open. Uh, hopefully, you, the listeners, um, who read the Phantom End comic or who have always been intrigued by it, whether you're from Australia or from India or other places around the world... Um, uh, Phantom Men have such a rich history, um, and yeah, you know it's 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 great to be able to learn what's coming up in 2023, but also to be able to learn something new about the history, but also yourselves, uh, Jake and Andrea. So, um, really appreciate you guys are uh, joining us. Uh, is there anything before I sign off that you maybe want to make mention that you you know that uh, you've just remembered or something I haven't asked that you want to give us or anything like that? I have one thing. Uh, Jacob said in his introduction that he wasn't a big Phantom fan when he started working on the Phantom. And uh, me and Jacob started working together in 2019 when uh, Mikael Sul was on sick leave. So we we came in, uh, did some issues. One of the things that we did was that we brought in a true story for the first time. So that was actually something we did when Mikael was away. Uh, but uh, the, I would also say that the difference from you know those first phone calls and emails that i had with and web meetings that i had with jacob back in 2019 and well just when he took over as project manager uh, in 2021 he really did his homework there's a big difference in how uh, much jacob knows about the phantom lore and the phantom stories and the phantom creators and uh, yeah, that was uh, really fun to see, and it makes it a lot of fun to uh, work on the magazine to like feel how uh, involved uh, he has become in the Phantom and not just uh, 
uh, it's not just like one of 10 magazines that he's working on. It's like he's a, uh, a Phantom fan now and he uh, learns more and more about uh, the stuff that us uh, fans uh, like to keep track of. How, how far away is he from being a fanboy like the rest of us? I He's still got uh, a long way to go. <laughs> but uh, uh, nah, he, he, mainly is a I want to um, give him credit for because that's not always on uh, uh, company time. I can imagine. I think there's a, a lot of uh, hours spent on just absorbing uh, phantom lore and uh, knowledge uh, in his spare time. Yeah, and listening to this podcast. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> do you listen to many of the podcasts? Uh, yeah, when it comes to uh, the team Phantom and. Uh... Uh, artists and and uh, authors. There, there's been some. I don't remember who they were, but there was. I was like considering, like, should I bring them back? And I needed to know something more about them, so I listened to the podcast where where you talked with them, so I could get a perspective on oh, what wow. kind of person they were. So I think it's a great. It's been a great like uh, asset for me to learn more about the people that I work with and the magazine, how it's been received, and what people want. I spent a lot of time, like also hanging on uh, Phantom and fan pages uh, on uh, Facebook. Rarely interact. I just, you know, look at what people say about <laughs> the magazine <laughs> uh, <laughs> to keep track on, like, what the the general like consensus is on the stories and what is liked and not liked and stuff. So I, I, I keep track and like try to stay updated as pos- uh, as much as possible. Awesome. No worries. Well, thank you, Andreas and uh, Jacob, uh, for your time. Kel, thank you also for joining us and asking all the hard questions. Thank um, you. <laughs> so if you are listening to us, you can find us on chroniclechamber.com, which is our website. Our email address is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. If you want to be notified of new articles, you can either follow us on our social media pages or you can sign up with your email address on our website. Now, you can also subscribe to us via YouTube or through your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes or Spotify. Um, guys, really appreciate your time uh, today. The listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this, learning about Phantom in 2023, but also uh, past Phantom as well. For myself, thank you for listening, and happy Phantom. Happy Phantom. Thank you. Bye.